Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we're speaking with James Johnson. Hey, James, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot, Dan. James, it's great to have you on the program, and I feel really blessed to speak to you. James has an amazing military career that we'll touch upon, but currently he is the president and CEO of Operation Gratitude. If you haven't heard of Operation Gratitude, uh, it's an incredible organization. We'll go through all of the giving that they provide and really all of the thanks that we need to see and certainly helping the mental health and well-being activities of our armed services. But before we get there, James, let's talk a little bit about yourself and your career. Sure, you bet. Well, you know, I I, uh, grew up as a military brat, so uh, not a surprise that I joined the military um, some years ago and served, uh, served for several decades and that my son is now serving too. So, so there's a bit of a, a military uh, heritage in our family, sort of the family business now. My, yeah. I like to say my grandkids don't know it yet, but they're going to serve too. Uh, but you know, when I when I was in the military, uh, I, I did a lot of work in operations and then logistics. And the tail end of my career, I really focused on human resilience and. Uh, the work to really uplift the spirits of those who are serving and, and increase their morale in a way that they feel connected to something really powerful just as when they joined. That's great. And I mean, clearly a broad career working on a million different things. But now you're at a great point in your career where you can work on something like Operation Gratitude. Tell me more about where the organization is today. And maybe for some of the listeners, tell the story of it. For sure. You know, as I left the military, as I, I mentioned, my last assignment was really standing up the uh, human resilience directorate for the Air Force. And as I departed the Air Force, I was really continuing to look for places where I could serve, give back and be a part of something really meaningful and larger than myself. So much like all of those who serve, raise their hand to serve in our military and our first responder communities. And so as I um, was uh, in my retired uh, uh, chapter, I was approached by an individual who I'd worked with in some other nonprofit work about the opportunity to serve uh, as the CEO for Operation Gratitude. And the more I learned about Operation Gratitude, both the mission and the people, the two things that are most important, I think, for so many people when they go into some endeavor, I just learned that this was a really positive organization focused on uh, you know, really the, the well-being and resilience of those who raise their hand to serve and do um, some really hard things, uh, you know, that as they serve our communities and and our nation. So, you know, James, we were talking before we started today a little bit of just the volume of the work that Operation Gratitude's now. It'd just be great to kind of go through that a bit. You bet. So, you know, Operation Gratitude's been around for about twenty years and uh, started back in two thousand three. So, this will be our twentieth anniversary. Really excited about this year coming up. Um, but as we um, look back at our origin story in 2003, Carolyn Blaschek, who's our founder, was volunteering. 
in a military lounge in LA when a young soldier came through who was pretty distraught. You know, his mother had passed away, his infant child had, had died before her, and his wife had left him. And so in that distress, he was talking to Carolyn about going, deploying, redeploying. And he said to her, you know, I'm going back over there. I don't think I'm coming back this time. And I don't think it matters because no one cares anyway. And it was really in that moment that Operation Gratitude's mission was born, that how can anyone raise their hand to serve, potentially put their life in harm's way, and not believe that the American people care. And I really think that in that moment, he really represented all those who raised their hand to serve in that, you know, we all have a story. We all go through ups and downs in our life. And for those who raise their hand to serve, they raise their hand to serve for years. It's not for days or weeks. It's not, hey, you know, I don't feel like doing this job anymore. I'm going to go do something else. It's years of service and sacrifice. And so I really think that this, the mission focuses on all those who are in that, you know, in that world where they've raised their hand. And she, she really represents all those volunteers. We have grateful that tens and hundreds of thousands of volunteers across the country that uh, have joined us on the journey uh, to say thank you to those individuals who are serving. And she really, I think, in that moment represented all of those volunteers. And so it just made great sense that that became a mission um, that has that has survived and thrived for this many years. Absolutely. And I mean, I think it's really important, obviously, that we make sure that everyone out there that's serving, that we give thanks for them and thank them for their service. And certainly what Operation Gratitude provides is an incredible uplifting solution for that. But James, I mean, you are right at the epicenter of so many of the issues that the military is thinking about these days. I mean, I know that uh, you still work on the diversity and inclusion issues. You're also obviously working on what I would say is a mental health issue here, which is, you know, making sure that people feel valued and loved and building that kind of mental resilience that they need. I mean, tell me a little bit about what you're seeing today in terms of some of the military issues that we see out there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it was a natural outgrowth for me to uh, continue working with diversity, equity, inclusion uh, efforts, as well as um, with the, the future generations of those who serve. Before I joined Operation Gratitude, I was doing some work with uh, Mission Readiness. That's a, a organization that focuses on childhood education and healthcare so that we have a future generation of individuals who are qualified to serve and that they're fit mentally and physically fit to serve in, in various ways that our nation may need. And, and so um, in addition to the work that I'm doing with Operation Gratitude, there are other places where I, I feel compelled uh, to, to you know, roll up my sleeves and work shoulder to shoulder with others in, in an endeavor to, for our military, ensure that the diversity, equity, inclusion is uh, is really a successful endeavor for us, that we are really growing, developing, retaining people of uh, all walks of life. Uh, you know, it, we, we like to say that diversity includes, um, you know, it's a, a diverse way of thinking, it's diversity in, in all the, you know, the typical things you think of, race, gender, uh, and those things, but it's more, right? There's so much to, so many facets to who we are, and creating organizations that really appreciate that, you know, who we are is important. I like to think of diversity, equity, inclusion as uh, diversity is who we are, and every one of us is different, every single one of us. The equity is how we treat you, and the inclusion is how you feel about that. And I think that's really important that people feel like they're part of something special. That's typically why they join the military is to be a part of something special. I used to work for a boss who said, 
people really care about two big things. One is they want to be a part of a team, right? Yeah. Something special. And the other one is that they want to feel that what they do matters, right? You go yeah. back to the story with that young soldier. And the other one is that I'm invested in not just the, the diversity, equity, inclusion on its own, but also the the accession of, of uh, military members. You know, our, our services uh, need all the help they can get, I think, in terms of the future years of recruiting. And so when we think about, you know, the, the entry into the military, whether that's at a, an academy or service school, uh, a, a ROTC, OTS, uh, basic training boot camp, um, you know, our services uh, are really dependent upon the, the uh, you know, a session of great qualified individuals who raise their hand to serve and, and know that that's going to be years of of service and sacrifice, but that their that their country really requires that. The two things I've learned over time are one that our 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 uh, country will always require brave men and women to raise their hand to serve, and two that those people always need to know that what they do matters. Yeah, that's the very well stated. And I mean, tell me a little bit on where you think we are on some of those issues. I mean, I thought for sure the Air Force Academy would get a huge boost after that new Maverick movie. So <laughs> typically, those, uh, you know, the societal uh, influences have a big impact on people, individuals' decisions to join the military. And I think that as we look across the diverse landscape of our country, that individuals at that age, you know, 6, 17 to 24, 25, that are thinking about joining our military, they, they look at a lot of things. One of those they look at is how are veterans, current military treated? Uh, and, and when they see something like Operation Gratitude, where our veterans, our current active duty military reserve guard members, those uh, in law enforcement, first responders who raise their hand to serve, when they see how our nation treats those honors, those people who raise their hand, they're more likely to want to be a part of that um, that experience. And so uh, I would just tell you that right now, uh, I think that the nation has a number of challenges in front of it um, when it comes to um, you know recruiting and retaining a really strong military. The um, the fact that we're not at war, um, you know, that sometimes um, the fact that our service members are deployed gets lost, that people don't really realize that we have, you know, tens of thousands of service members who are deployed every day. Uh, soldiers, uh, boots on the ground somewhere in the world could be in Africa or in the Middle East, uh, in, in Europe, uh, in the Pacific. And we have uh, sailors and Marines always underway as well. And Coast Guardsmen, the, the Air Force flying far from their flagpole. And I, I think that sometimes that's lost because it's not in the news because we're not in a kinetic um, you know, effort and in, in active uh, conflict, which is good. But I do think that it's important that we realize that those people that are still serving their spirits, we, we you, you can't really wait until you're in a conflict to say, you know, thanks for your service and and really want to bolster their spirits. I think it's really important for those people who are serving to always know that we have their back, that that we support them and and appreciate the fact that they they joined and and are doing their hard work. Well, James, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, as we look forward into 2023 and on some of these issues, what are the priorities and where do you think we're going to see some progress? 
Well, it, you know, when you think about Operation Gratitude and where we've come from, one of the things we looked at was what what is the vision for the future? And it really is tied back to that origin story, you know, in that moment thinking, not only do I want this person to know that I care about what they're doing, but it's all those who serve to, to know that the American people care. That's really the vision. And so what that means for us is that every service member, first responder who joins the service of, uh, in their communities or in for our nation, that they would receive a care package and, and every care package would have a letter saying, thank you for starting this journey. Uh, that's well over 200,000 people every year. And then we would, you know, every service member who deploys uh, would get a care package that's unique to that experience. It's a bigger care package. It has a letter to saying thank you for going far from home on our behalf. And then for those who are uh, retiring veterans uh, in that status would get a care package too. And that those letters would say thank you for the time that you invested on our behalf. Uh, you know, we haven't forgotten what you did. Uh, that's that, you know, last year we did about 135,000 care packages. This year we will do upwards of 280,000 care packages. But the Amazing. goal, the goal for those, the, the populations I just described, that's a million care packages a year. That's the future. That's, that's, and that's why we just need more and more communities to sort of join us on the journey to say thank you to those who serve. Well, let's kind of jump to that. If there's folks listening to this podcast or watching the webcast, how can they get involved and how can they support Operation Gratitude? We get that question a lot. We really direct them to operationgratitude.com, which is our, our site to, that really outlines all the different ways that people can join us on the journey to say thank you. Whether you're an individual or whether you're with a small group, could be a classroom, could be a scout troop, you could be a part of a, a company. Maybe you, you're working in a local store or you know at the sort of grassroots level. Um, we have thousands and thousands of people that join us at our website to learn how they can get involved, whether it's writing letters or tying paracord bracelets or uh, contributing to the care package itself, whether that's to the contents of the care package or whether that's to the shipping of the care packages to you know these uh, these individuals who've raised their hand to serve who are serving in our communities or they're serving again far from home and we ship you know literally tens of thousands of care packages around the world to those individuals who raise their hand. One of the things I would highlight is in addition to sort of the grassroots, uh, you know, everyday Americans who, who say, I'm looking for a really meaningful way to say thank you to those who serve. Um, we have, you know, I mentioned groups like the Scouts, or it could be the National Charity League, could be the Red Cross, could be a whole host of other folks who have organizations that support Operation Gratitude. We also have corporate America companies across the country who want to say thank you to those who serve. And so in the care packages, you'll find some really high quality um, products that, you know, companies want to say thank you in a meaningful way to those who are, you know, far from home. And so you'll see Starbucks and, and Mars will have, you know, sweet and salty snacks in there. The Girl Scouts uh, provide us uh, some of our best, you know, product is, you know, open that care package, you get that those cookies, right? Girl Scout Oh cookies. my God, you know, that would be great, right? Cookies, right? <laughs> it's an icon. It's an icon. And so many of the, the items that go in there are iconic um, when you think about, you know, the partners that have joined us on this journey. Well, I mean, it's been amazing to chat with you, James, on everything that you are working on and certainly the success of Operation Gratitude and the continued growth. And there's an opportunity for so many communities, so many enterprises to get deeply involved and expand these efforts. Really, thank you for being on on K today. And we look forward to having you back. Well, thank you. Really appreciate the time, Ben. Cheers. Cheers.